What's up, good people? You're now tuned in to Crockpot Conversations with Anthony D. Sparks. This is a place where I talk about issues that are practical, hopefully in a way that's powerful, to try to give you something that's portable. Thanks so much for listening, and please make sure that you subscribe to and share the podcast. And if possible, please leave us a rating and a review, because without your five stars, I ain't getting very far. This is episode 57, and it's, and it's the finale of our November series titled God Bless America. Look, I hope you've enjoyed and been blessed by our first two episodes in the series. Remember the first one we talked about race and faith um, under the title Black or Christian. Uh, the second one we talked about church hurt and what it is to deal with hurt from a place that's designed to help. Today's episode is all about mental health and to go a step further, mental health and faith. Yeah, it's all about how sometimes my faith just doesn't do anything for how I'm feeling. Or let me better say it this way, um, what it is for my feelings to not respond to my faith. Look, for far too long, I think those of us who have struggled with mental health challenges have been dismissed discounted or even discouraged by the church and that's an absolute disservice plain and simple and so today i want to welcome my final three guests in this series and look these are three individuals who i know uh know what it's like to love jesus but they also realize that sometimes loving jesus just is not enough and now notice i didn't say that jesus isn't enough i said that sometimes just loving jesus is not enough to get you out of that place of despair or just feeling overwhelmed. All right, so on the other side of this break, you're going to hear the interviews I did with uh, Judge Tim Fall, uh, Larissa Lee, and Robert Monson. Be back in about one minute, so sit tight. On the other side, you'll hear the interviews. Hey, do you ever have that feeling that you are made for more? Like that feeling that where you are is not where you're supposed to stay because you know you can do better. But for some reason, you're stuck. Well, if so, Anthony D. Sparks can help. As a certified life coach, Anthony has coached hundreds of individuals ranging from CEOs to stay-at-home parents, helping them with issues such as finding their purpose, achieving work-life balance, improving their love lives, or just simply becoming better people. If you've ever thought about coaching and been hesitant, or if you've never thought about coaching but know something in your life has to improve, then this message is for you. Go to www.anthonydsparks.com to book a free consultation to see if Anthony can help. It's time for you to live a life of purpose, on purpose. All right, everybody, welcome back to Crockpot conversations episode 57 and again it's the third and final episode in our god bless america series and today we're talking faith and feelings what happens when our mental health and faith don't quite match up and so for this first segment i am so so excited so privileged to talk with uh judge tim fall and miss larissa lee welcome to the show good people thank you all so much for being a part of it completely my pleasure Totally honored to be here. Thank you. All good. All good. Thank you all for accepting the invitation. And I, and I really think that um, that the audience is going to really, really benefit from this conversation. And so before we jump into it, though, um, if you don't mind, can you all just kind of briefly give the audience um, a little background on who you are and what you do? Uh, Larissa, if you don't mind, you can go first and then, uh, then Tim next. Sure. I am right now on the facility staff at a church in Castle Rock, Colorado. And um, before that, I did children's ministry, youth ministry, college ministry, and worship ministry. So I'm trying to collect like one of each card. Um, wherever the church needs help, that's where I like to be. And so right now that's got me in facilities. Um, and when I'm not that there, I'm at home with my kids, trying to do all of that. I have an 11 year old daughter and a nine year old special needs son. Awesome, awesome, thank you so much. All right, Tim. I, I used to do youth ministry 
Um, so I, I know what Larissa is saying about wherever the church needs you to fill in. I did youth ministry for a couple of decades, um, wow. kind of off and on because they also pulled me into uh, music ministry. And I was actually the, uh, the song leader, uh, worship leader for uh, different periods of time. One time it was a full year where I was uh, handling that um, and uh, filled the pulpit a few times uh, here and there. Wow. Uh, when need arose. One time I had to fill the pulpit when I was called at uh, one o'clock on a Sunday morning. And uh, the uh, pastor uh, at church uh, said um, that he was at the hospital and about to go in for gallbladder surgery um, wow. and uh, asked if I could cover the next morning. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, you just, wherever the spirit leads, you know. <laughs> hey, hey, that's it. That's it. Got to plug in. I, um, I hear you. I hear you. So, it, but my uh, my day job uh, is, as you said, I'm a judge, and I usually don't use that title for online stuff, but because sure. we're talking about the mental health issues, and that's uh, a large part of what I've been writing about recently, uh, mm -hmm. my memoir came out, and it's about being a judge with a mental health diagnosis um, in the context of my uh, 2008 re-election campaign. Uh, so that's why, yeah, I mean, if people want to know what I do, uh, I work at a courthouse and I wear a black moo for a living. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little bit more intricate than that, but we'll roll with it. We'll roll with it. Thank you both um, for being here. Thank you for um, like I said, just, just being who you are, um, especially in the online world, uh, both of you, super refreshing. Um, and so if, you on, if you're on Twitter, um, Tim Fall, he's on there. Larissa Lee is on there. Look him up, follow him. Um, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. All right, let's get into this conversation. So let me just kind of frame it like this to start us off, guys. Uh, look, mental health has gotten a ton of love over the past couple of years. Um, I think people are increasingly acknowledging the importance of, of, of being mentally healthy. Now, just a few years ago though, it was fairly commonplace to be seen as weak or um, not as strong in your faith or whatever you wanna call it, if you were found to be dealt with what, what was called you know, mental health issues or mental, mental health challenges at the time. Can you talk about uh, a time where maybe you experienced ridicule for um, struggling with some mental health challenges and, and how that kind of affected you. Uh, Larissa, if you don't mind, could you kind of speak to that? Yeah, um, I, I don't think I was ever given that message specifically, but somewhere along the way, I definitely got that idea. Um, when I met with the pastor of the church that I'm at now, and I was struggling with my faith, and he, that he thought I should get some counseling, and I immediately felt insulted, like, wow he was saying that I was a crazy person or um, so it was almost like I was ridiculing myself wow. that somebody else would look at me and say oh she needs mental help um, and it took him three years of just constant kind of encouragement to convince me to go seek help um, the first counselor I saw diagnosed me with complex PTSD and I didn't think him. I'm like, no, I haven't been to war. That's not, I don't, I don't have that kind of trauma. Um, I ended up going to another counselor, got the same diagnosis. And it was just so interesting to me how long it took for me to accept that normal people can also need mental health care, that it's not just for people who've been in war or been through horrific experiences or who are quote unquote crazy. Mm -hmm. it, it's a very broad spectrum and a lot of people really do need that kind of intervention. And and, and by normal people, the normal is, is, is in quotations. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. The majority of people right. is what I think I was trying to say. No, 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 absolutely. No, I, I, I hear you. I think a lot of times that we, 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 we say that and, and, you know, but I think it was somebody I was talking to the other day kind of reminded me that all of us, whether you are the most or whether you feel or you're seen as the most well-adjusted, healthy person on earth, all of us are struggling with some form of mental issue. Um, oh, and, and that's not a, yeah, and that's not a, that's not a bad thing per se. It's not, you know, it's, it's, that's not a negative. It's, it's just mm -hmm. a fact that we're all struggling with something. So yeah, I, I agree totally with you. Uh, Tim, what about you? Um, experience a time where 
maybe you were ridiculed for for those mental health challenges that you faced well there was there was a time i had to uh, hide it um mm -hmm. in order to avoid ridicule but just following up on what larissa and you were saying uh that uh people who um don't necessarily know that they've got the mental health issue uh, i was just talking to a professional uh earlier this week who said uh, everybody has mental health issues yeah. uh, it's just that it comes out in different ways and to different degrees and i was thinking about that and i thought well that's a lot like uh, physical health um somebody may say hey i'm in tip-top health i'm 100 percent healthy but yet are they really i mean is there a hangnail somewhere did they scratch themselves shaving um you know did they sprain their wrist did they break an arm did they have cardiac arrest i mean it's, it's all of these things that are just a a spectrum and you know so it's like yeah if everybody has some sort of physical thing going on maybe everybody has some sort of mental health thing going on too and i think yes. that's absolutely true so anyway the the time that i had to hide it uh back in 2008 going through the re-election campaign is when i was first diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder with depressive episodes. And my doctor, uh, who was talking to me in my first visit with him over all of this, said, uh, I'm not putting the word depression or depressive episodes in your uh, chart. I'm just gonna call it generalized anxiety disorder. And I said, why? He said, well, medically, um, I can call it either one and still treat it the same way. And he said, plus, if you put the word depression in there and anybody, we're confidential, but if anybody finds your records, uh, that will come out and it can be really hard for people and, and you don't need that right now. And, um, you know, there I was in the middle of, a, of my only, my one and only re-election campaign. And he was right. I mean, gosh, what my opponent might have done uh, with that, uh, it just hmm. it not have been pretty. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's um, that, that, that's unfortunate um, when you think about it. But and it really goes to this concept or this thought that um, to be seen as anything less than perfectly strong or superhumanly strong um, means that you're not fit to do something. And in your right. case, you know, the fact that you had to hide it or it had to be characterized as something else for fear that a political op opponent could possibly get a hold to it and you know weaponize it that's just that, that, that that's really beyond the pale um, right and, and 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 honestly while that was in 2008 for you um i would go out on a limb and say i don't think much has changed these days <laughs> yeah and when i wrote my uh, memoir i put in the preface uh, that uh, i was going to be an elected official currently holding office who was going to talk about a mental health diagnosis uh, and that it's rare and that there was a reason for me to do it in order to uh, try to help remove that stigma. Uh, yeah. But I imagine, uh, Larissa, you must know about uh, the same thing happening uh, in churches where if a member of the congregation found out that one of the pastors was in mental health counseling, that that may be a real issue there as well. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that that's part of why it caught me off guard when my pastor recommended it because nowhere in any church that I'd been involved in was I ever given the advice to seek counseling. Hmm. Wow. So if, if, if I can, Larissa, let, let, let's kind of, let's kind of stick right there and use that. Um, because, you know, in the church, there's a belief that, you know, prayer, worship, the quote unquote, right amount of faith can fix anything. Right. Uh, especially when it comes to things like, anxiety depression ptsd things like that so um in terms of that belief that prayer worship faith can fix anything um what would you say to those who number one believe that and number two to those who teach that what would you say i i think for those who believe that i would try and encourage them to consider more of a both and approach to mental mental health and faith yes, that's good. Um, absolutely Prayer and worship and pastoral guidance can help with things like anxiety and depression. And um, for some people, those things alone are sufficient. Sure. Um, but the brain is an organ, just like the heart. And we don't tell people with heart disease to worship and pray their physical disease away. And there's no reason we should treat mental health any differently than physical health. And sometimes the brain has physical things wrong with it that need medication, that need counseling. Um, and that's not because faith isn't working. It's just, let's approach every possible 
answer. Um, to those who would teach prayer and worship and faith can fix anything, I would be very cautious with them to say that you could potentially be creating great harm in the lives of the people that God has called you to lead. Um, just as teaching people to pray instead of going to the doctor for a physical problem could lead to the worsening of that problem. So teaching people that faith alone is enough to overcome mental illness could become a path to worsening mental health. And teachers and pastors have this incredible opportunity to speak value into the lives of their people by validating their needs and guiding them towards the right help. That's a great point. I, I love how you just said that. And I, and I feel like I've heard it before, but 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 just hearing you say that just now, it just, it, it really just kind of sent a sensor off in me when you said that um, the brain, like the heart, is an organ. And if we wouldn't tell somebody with heart disease to pray it away, worship it away, then why on earth are we telling people with mental health issues to just pray it away or, or, or worship it away? I think that is an absolutely profound and uh, and simplistic, which is which is where the profoundness is, is found. But I, I just love, love, love that perspective on it. So thank you for sharing that. Tim, I know that you're that you're a believer. Um, so so tell me, um, and I'm sure maybe you've either, if not been in the presence of somebody physically, I'm sure you've seen it um, on, you know, quote unquote, unquote, Christian Twitter or whatever the case is, but where people have said, you know, um, if you have depression, anxiety, et cetera, then you're not praying enough or you're not worshiping enough. Right. What would you say to those who believe and teach this kind of theory? There once was a person who had anxiety. Oh, by the way, this is a an autobiographical paradox. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anybody was going through. Uh, there once was a person who had anxiety, uh, bad anxiety, the kind that keeps you from living like people who don't have anxiety. The anxiety wasn't because of a lack of faith. Uh, the person praised God daily and trusted God even when it seemed God was far away. The anxiety wasn't a sign of a bad prayer life. The person prayed for God's help and gave thanks for God's provision. The anxiety wasn't punishment for sin. The person knew Jesus bore the punishment for every sin and that God never condemns his children. The anxiety hurt and it made life hard, but the person refused to let other people make life even harder by insisting all the person needed to make the anxiety go away was more faith, more prayer, and to stop sinning. The person found a good doctor and relied on good friends. That helped make life not so hard. Wow. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's and you know, in writing the book, I, I just thought people are out there being taught this awful stuff, like Larissa was yeah. saying, man, where does that doctrine come from? And it's hurting people. It's hurting people spiritually and physically. And, uh, you know, they they need to hear that uh, that you can uh, be growing in your faith and still dealing with, I mean, whether it's mental health or physical health or other things in life. I mean, there are some people who are going to tell you that if you're in poverty, it's because you lack faith. Right. You know, that's a bunch of baloney, too. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I'm my soapbox. You go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I appreciate that. And, I, and, and look as 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 much as you know you need to or want to by all means yes tell tell us about the book because i think um the perspective is amazing because here it is uh a, a, you know a judge a, a a christian who has a mental health diagnosis and so i think that people get an amazing perspective um and i think that that your book um can be that thing to help so many uh, kind of not necessarily eradicate it, but at the very least navigate. Uh, so let, let, let's shift a bit um, because I really believe that that there are people who are listening to this right now who have you know those in their lives, family, friends, whatever, who are kind of struggling with some mental health challenges. And so, um, what advice would you give to those people um, to help them better interact with friends, family, colleagues, whatever? who may be dealing with mental health challenges. And uh, Tim, I'll go to you first on that. Oh boy, um, I am not a, an expert uh, in this. By all means, no. If, if you have a, a family member or friend that you know is going through, um, let's say anxiety or depression, uh, I have found that one of the things that speaks to me is uh, somebody just asking, uh, how are you doing? And do you want me to spend some time with you? 
Hmm. And and being open to me saying how I'm doing is not something I want to talk about right now. And no, I don't want to spend time with anybody. Um, or uh, me saying, how am I feeling? And then everything coming out and saying, yes, I want you to spend time with me. And I want you to stay here until I'm really, really done spending time with you. But you have to stay until I'm the one who's done. So wherever you fall on <laughs> one end of that or the other, if you if you say that to, to me, and you are comfortable with hearing one or the other or somewhere in between uh, and mean it, then that's, that is what I need because man, anxiety and depression do not put you in a frame of mind uh, where you can really figure out for yourself what you need. Uh, you got to have people who come alongside you. Um, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in how other people respond well to these things. I just know what's sure. worked for me. Right, right, right. That's good. That's good. What about you, Larissa? Um, I would say that the number one thing that I would encourage people to do is to listen. Um, each individual with mental health has their own story and their own struggle. And when we listen without assumption, we give space for our friends and our family to tell the truth about their lives. Um, and I would caution against advice um, unless you're specifically asked. Um, just like with medical advice, our opinions can create further damage when we speak things that we may not have a full understanding of. Um, and more than anything, I would say as often as you can reaffirm your friendship and your love for that person, um, because if somebody has trusted you enough to tell you the truth about themselves, that can be really scary. And abandonment and rejection are common with mental health issues. And so affirming your friendship and your love can create a safe and open place for people to find healing and to continue to tell the truth about who they are and what they're experiencing. It's good stuff. Uh, good stuff from both of you all. Uh, and, and, I, and I love the fact that, that you all were both, you know, right there um, in that in that pocket with each other. Uh, um, pretty much just saying, uh, in your case, Tim, you know, ask, you know, don't be afraid to ask if they you know, need somebody to come and sit with them, ask what's wrong. And Larissa, to your point, uh, just listen. And, and I love the fact that you also said there's, this is an advice giving session. Um, because, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of times I think we, we, we tend to try to give advice and we end up talking about things that we have no clue about. And so listening goes a long, long way. That That's a very elementary concept. But um, I think somebody wrote a book about it, or, or I've heard it said before that everything I needed to know in life, I learned in kindergarten or something like that. And, and, and that's one of those kindergarten concepts of just ask people if they're okay, if they need you, if they want you to sit with them, listen to them, et cetera, and then do that. Just sit, listen, be present. My, my dad, who is a pastor and also a judge, Tim, um, but he, um, he says all the time, the greatest ministry that anybody can have is the ministry of presence, just being there, just right. being, um, not necessarily, you know, going above and beyond, feeling like you got to do these big ostentatious things, but just simply being there. And so um, what you all both just said, it goes right into that, just the ministry of presence. So that's good stuff. Um, so of course, knowing that, that, that you're not experts, knowing that um, we're only talking about your experiences and, and, and what's worked for you all and what's working for you. Let me ask you this, on, on your journey to becoming mentally healthy, because we know it's a, it's, a, it's a daily process. I don't think, kind of like we alluded to earlier, nobody is 100%, for lack of a better word, cured from mental health challenges. We're gonna have them until the day we die. But on your journey to becoming mentally healthy, um, what can you share with the audience to maybe help those who are trying to find their way to overcome their own challenges? What can you, what, what, what would you share to kind of help them navigate that space? Uh, Larissa. Um, I would say above all, don't give up. There's a lot of frustrating points along the way. You may have to try and more than one counselor to find one that fits. You may have to try more than one medication to find one that fits. You may have to try one more than one church to find a pastor who's supportive of what you need. There's gonna be a lot of books with a lot of different perspectives and you have to just keep trying. Um, it can feel frustrating and isolating, 
when it doesn't work, but I believe that there is help and hope out there. And if we continue to pursue it um, and continue to reach out to the people in your life, um, then I think that there's a good chance that you'll find something that works. That's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Tim, what about you? What would you say to that person struggling? I would um, say that with Larissa's um, labeling of all the things that you may be trying, you know, naming those, that's one thing that people need to hear is, oh, so I've got, I can do church, I can do doctors, I can do medicine, I can do counseling, I can do friends, I can do meditations, I can, I mean, there's lots of ways to uh, go through it. And it's a long haul process. Right. Um, and the other thing I would tell them is, um, you're not alone, you're not weird. Uh, the numbers are for anxiety and depression that uh, one in four people uh, suffer from anxiety, depression, or both. Uh, and so for people who people who say, well, I don't know anybody who's mentally ill. It's like, well, yeah, you do. They're one in four people. It's, it's you or it's someone in your family or it's your friends or it's the people you work with that you know tons of people who have anxiety or depression. Um, it, one in four. So I would tell the people who are trying to navigate this, um, you're not alone. There's people around you all the time who also are going through this. And, and uh, while it's a long haul process, uh, it does get better. Uh, there are ways to uh, find yourself uh, thriving, as a matter of fact. Um, as uh, um, Renee uh, Branson uh, puts it, she's a, a therapist, uh, she calls it resilience, that you can build up this, this sense of resilience and, and be able to uh, succeed and thrive in life. Uh, even if you are a person who says, well, wait, I've got a mental health diagnosis. Well, yeah, okay. You know, some people have diabetes diagnoses and some have heart diagnoses and, you know, some are dealing with other issues, but that doesn't mean they're not thriving in life. So sure. that's what we do. That's great. That's great. Um, I, I feel like that's a, a, a perfect place to to leave this segment on. Um, but to be fair, I just want to kind of open the floor one, one last time. Um, any any other parting comments or thoughts that you would like to leave with the listening audience? No pressure at all, but just um, if there's anything maybe maybe we didn't tackle that you're like, you know what, I need to say this or I want to say this and put this out there. Anything that either of you want to jump out there and, and, and throw out? You first, Larissa. <laughs> <laughs> or if you want a moment to think, I'll jump in. <laughs> no, please go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Um, there is a passage that talks about God being the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions so that we can also come alongside those that God has put in our lives to comfort them with the comfort God has given us. And that word comfort uh, is the same uh, or related to the same word that's given to the Holy Spirit when Jesus mm -hmm. is saying that we will have a counselor, uh, the paraclete, uh, who will come alongside us. And uh, that coming alongside us, that's what the paraclete part means. And it's the same word that is given for comfort in that passage. So instead of the God of all comfort, you could think of it as uh, the God of all coming alongsidedness, who comes alongside us in our afflictions so that we can come alongside others with the alongsidedness that God has given us. That is, we can be present, as you said. Uh, we can be with people. We can be the ones who are there with them in that moment not trying to fix them, as Larissa pointed out, that's not our job, um, but to be with them because God comforts us. He is coming alongside us and we have that ministry that we can then bring into other people's lives. Um, I would say the biggest thing that I would love to see going forward is for the church to just normalize mental health care. A couple months ago, our pastor preached a sermon about depression and talked very honestly about different times in his life where he experienced hard things, um, cancer diagnosis or job loss or whatever it may have been, and how he felt about his faith during those seasons. And somebody have the courage to tell the truth about the ups and downs of their faith from a pastoral perspective was huge and life-giving. 
And I know it can be scary as a pastor to stand up and honestly talk about your faith when it may not be strong, when mm -hmm. it's awesome. But those things give life and permission to the people in your congregation to also tell the truth. And that could radically change the dynamic of how we approach faith and mental health within the church. Thank you for just a refreshing, transparent conversation. Um, look, I really believe that people are going to be blessed from your perspective and from your insights. So um, thank you so much for being willing to share your uh, your experience um, and not necessarily your quote unquote expert opinion, but just your perspective as somebody who has been through, is going through and will continue to go through this life um, navigating, overcoming, defeating, um, living with mental health challenges. Um, and so I, I just thank you for just the refreshing, um, again, transparency that you both gave. And um, I just look forward to um, whatever you guys are going to do uh, in the future. Just know I'm on the team and I'm, I'm supporting you. And uh, I just look forward to it. One more break, y'all, and we'll be right back with uh, Robert Monson for segment two. Sit tight. Hey, do you ever have that feeling that you were made for more? Like that feeling that where you are is not where you're supposed to stay because you know you can do better. But for some reason, you're stuck. Well, if so, Anthony D. Sparks can help. As a certified life coach, Anthony has coached hundreds of individuals ranging from CEOs to stay-at-home parents, helping them with issues such as finding their purpose, achieving work-life balance, improving their love lives, or just simply becoming better people. If you've ever thought about coaching and been hesitant, or if you've never thought about coaching but know something in your life has to improve, then this message is for you. Go to www.anthonydsparks.com to book a free consultation to see if Anthony can help. It's time for you to live a life of purpose, on purpose. y'all welcome back to episode 56 of the crockpot conversations podcast and again today uh we're talking about how um or faith and feelings having just a convo on mental health and so um, i hope you enjoyed the first segment uh with my guests tim fall and uh, larissa lee and here in segment two i want to bring on um, a guy who i've been following uh, on social media on twitter specifically for a little while now, and uh, and he has been um, just an absolute bomb, to be honest with you. I just love how he is just authentic. I love just how he is um, just refreshingly honest and real. Um, and it's all done in a way that I really, really believe uh, glorifies God and uplifts the kingdom. And so, um, Robert Monson, man, thank you so much for being a guest on the show, brother. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks. And I enjoy following you as well. So I'm excited to talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good deal, man. Good deal. I know yeah. um, this is a topic that um, that I think affects a lot more people than maybe let on um, because there's still a bit of uh, a bit of taboo surrounding it. But we'll kind of get into that. So so just to kind of kick us off, man, if you don't mind, just kind of give the audience a brief intro, uh, you know, just who you are, what you do, that good stuff. Yeah, so yes. So my name is Robert Monson and originally from Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> and and uh, currently I work for an organization called Subculture Inc. And I am in leadership with them and we uh, remove barriers from black college students and we create resources financially um, spiritually uh, for black college students to succeed at the collegiate level and so it's amazing so we I help oversee the content division so I help create articles blogs um, books we have a publishing uh, portion to what we do nice. and help uh, black students grow in their faith in, in Christ but also expand uh, their thought processes and even how to integrate them 
in thinking about God and thinking about culture, thinking about how to relate to one another, to community, to theology and whatnot. And um, so I love what we do with subculture and, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. as an organization. And we give scholarships to uh, these students because one of the barriers that we noticed for students, specifically Black Hawk students was um, financial. So it's very hard to talk to students about uh, God when they don't have any money. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's a bit about me. I, um, I'm very much uh, about giving food uh, practically to my people. So, yeah. Nice, nice. Well, good stuff, man. I, uh, again, just thank you for, um, for for who you are and what you do. Um, of course, professionally in that space with, uh, with subculture and also um, just in the, the, the content that you put out for, uh, for us to consume, man, in these various spaces. So uh, yeah. so thanks for that. No, I appreciate it. All right. So, um, so look, we're talking mental health today and, and how it kind of intertwines and, and, and relates to and works within the church. And uh, I think it's safe to say that over the past, you know, past couple of years or so, um, mental health is starting to get some love. Like people are starting to embrace counseling and therapy and coaching and things like that, things that were once taboo. Um, just a few years ago, we know it was commonplace to refer to people as weak if they um, kind of, I guess, exposed their, their mental health issues that they were dealing with. Um, but of course, to, to, to use a term that the current president right now is using, rounding the corner, as erroneously as that may be. But um, I, I don't know that we're fully there yet in terms of just fully, fully embracing it. So can you just kind of talk about, man, a time where, um, whether in the past or in the not too distant past, where you experienced ridicule over um, just kind of your mental health um, I guess struggles, et cetera, and, and how it kind of affected you. Yeah, I, I think, I think specifically, I want to say that uh, I can think back to uh, burying, burying to uh, precious loved ones to me, and I don't want to go into the specifics of that because sure. that would be a whole another podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that we would have to talk at length brother yeah um but in the bearing of these two precious souls uh i definitely experienced very overt pressure to get back to the grind of ministry and around these time of bearing these two children uh there were other ministers around me who had uh children die and uh, i remember someone saying hey you know this other leader had a child die and they're back preaching you know i don't understand why you're still struggling mm. and that was one person's uh critique but that was very much a sentiment that was echoed and overt and very um you know, subversive ways and very um, subtle ways. Mm -hmm. And and so that was a specific time. But also, I would say struggling with, um, I struggle with anxiety and depression, and I have for most of my life. Okay. Um, especially anxiety is because of the nature of which I've grown up. Mm -hmm. And I would say within the context of the church, um, Ridicule might be a strong uh, word for it um, to the specifics of your question, but I would definitely say there is a, um, a suspicion and even a hostile environment towards issues of mental struggle and mental health. That is the very air that we breathe within the context of the church. And so maybe it's not open ridicule but the whole air that we breathe is the antithesis of uh talking about mental health struggles so it might not be as blatant as what this person shared but people don't feel comfortable talking about anxiety talking about depression and so the whole time i've been in church spaces it has been hard to express 
where I've struggled in any way, shape, or form, whether it's um, small things or large things. Hmm. So that, that that that's a that's a that's a good segue into this this next piece that I want to ask you, um, because I, I think a lot of people can relate to what you just said with that. Just kind of the the the. Um, the underlying um, kind of the, the the suggestion, like maybe that person didn't just outright say, you know, you need to get it together, or they didn't just come out and, and blast you per se, but it was just kind of, it was those little subtle questions that are really more so um, accusations or, or very pointed comments to, to, to make you feel as if you're inadequate or not doing something right because you're not handling your issue like somebody else similarly situated would. So with that said, um, there's this belief, I think, prayer, worship, faith, those things can fix anything, especially when it comes to things like anxiety, depression, et cetera. Matter of fact, I've heard it said in so many different ways. Um, and one that's just blatant that I've heard before is that when people say stuff like, you don't need, you know, you don't, you don't need a therapist, you need Jesus, something like that. So my question to you would be, what would you say to those people who, one, believe something like that, and then, two, actually teach something like that? My God. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) How much time do we have on this podcast? No, I... (laughs) Cut the cameras. No, I would say, what would be the purpose of the disciples' work then? Hmm. What would be the purpose of anointing the disciples, what would be the purpose of Jesus walking around if there wasn't human cooperation needed? I very much, it angers me to hear the dichotomy between religion and therapy. And the reason is because people die in the process and people languish in the process unnecessarily. And so um, it need not be so. And so the theology that is espoused when um, we just need to worship and suddenly all of our cares will go away hurts real people. and um, I, I'm thinking specifically to your question. Um, uh, I've recently been reading uh, Martin Luther King's um, some of his work, and so it, in in one of his works, uh, "Strength to Love," he has this writing on um, that's called "The Answer to a Perplexing Question." And it's the disciples wrestle with why could not we not cast out this demon? And so he flips Martin Luther King Jr. flips it and says, why cannot why can't we cast out evil from our society? And he talks about um, the cooperation of man with God of uh, uh, and about the fact that we need to cooperate through practical works to do um got to fulfill God's kingdom. And so in like manner, when we're struggling with mental health issues, it's not necessarily a moral failing. It's not necessarily a sin failing. It's not because we didn't worship hard enough. Sometimes it might just be this person needs to go to a therapist. It might mean they need medication, right? And cooperating with God's grace in that way is, hey, brother, you don't need to be on your knees praying for five more hours. You need to be seeing a therapist and in that way, you're partnering with furthering God's kingdom. Um, And so, so yeah, it bothers me because I, I've known really I've known real people who have committed suicide that didn't need to. Um, and it hurts me. Wow. 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 Um, so, so would your, I guess the, um, would your, would your words to, let's say, let's say we got a pastor um, or pastors or, or, or leaders in the church who, um, 
who haven't quite fully embraced um, the the partnering of the the medical or health side with the religion and faith side. Um, how could you kind of help them? And, and I love what you said in terms of the disciples walking around and Jesus walking around in their work makes perfect sense. Um, how could you kind of further impress upon, say, a, a church leader or, or really just a member, but somebody who just kind of believes and well, forget believe, but, but, but now teaches is over a flock and is teaching people that their prayer life needs to be stronger or or their 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 worship needs to be more intense or their faith needs to grow in order to to um to cast quote unquote these demons of anxiety depression whatever to cast that stuff out what, what would you say to that person listening who teaches this and who is really having a hard time shifting his or her view from that we just kind of talked about to to kind of this 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 for lack of a better word, progressive way of thinking and tackling this issue. Yeah, I guess first I would express empathy because I get it. I used to be one of those people. Um, so my frustration that you may hear my voice partially is born out of, I get it. Okay. Um, I truly get it. And um secondarily i think it is looking at the example of jesus mm -hmm. um is the only thing i can turn people to because i could convince you all day right. that um through just strength of reason and statistics that 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 course of action that you just laid out by the the pastor and that that member mm -hmm. doesn't work mm -hmm. but you won't listen to me <laughs> you're not gonna listen to me give you a convincing argument but right, right. we can turn to jesus and as jesus the son of god was in the midst and even in matthew 17 as they're saying why can't we cast out these things why can't jesus didn't tell people regularly hey you just need to struggle harder <laughs> it's it was the son of god in the midst and he's doing the works of the kingdom right and the answer wasn't I need you to be better, mm. right? <laughs> I just need you to be better. Mm. And cooperating with God, sometimes through very practical works. Hey, come over here. <laughs> hey, get in this pool. Mm -hmm. Hey, let me spit in your, <laughs> let me spit in your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> let me spit up in your face. <laughs> um, and, um, you'll be healed right so there's all these different methods that god employed through these this multi um faceted approach to healing yeah yeah people were touched and it wasn't the same way we don't find people heal the same way twice and i think often we have relegated healing to one way in the church and so we tell people just try harder have more faith that is antithetical to the gospel we yeah. find that god opened up these avenues of healing i believe personal hypothesis to show us that god can be found through many different ways many different avenues of healing and um and so to our conversation rather than limiting God to, hey, let's just cast this demon out of this person, which I've been in those sessions. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Wow. Some, but I've been, I've been with a brother who actually had to go to an insane asylum because he was so depressed. Goodness. Because the church wasn't listening to him. And do you know, over the course of months, and therapy got the help that he needed wow. right and what aches in me is if he had just been listened to what could have been prevented right and so sometimes but i've also seen people who got it therapy preventatively and sometimes they just needed to be listened to by trained mm -hmm. therapists mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And so what I would say to that pastor is to not be afraid. And what I would also say to that pastor is if your faith, your faith should be able to take you into a therapist's office yourself and not be afraid. And for me, I think I, I didn't know what happened in those offices. And if I'm honest, the reason why I tried to counsel people not to go was because I had a lot of fear. Mm. When I tell you, when I stepped in the office, in the office for the first time, I was quaking in my boots. <laughs> they ask actually very normal questions. I don't yeah. know if I thought there was going to be seances and spirits of demons were going to rise out of the ground. Brother, it's great in there. <laughs> I mean, in the right <laughs> therapist's office, I'm sure yeah. there are horror stories. Um, I would tell pastors, why don't you go to a therapy session? Hmm. Good. That's good. That's good. So, so let's 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 stay right there for just a second, um, and 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 drill it down a little bit more, um, make it a little bit more specific. For for those people who are listening, who have um, loved ones, family, friends, you know, coworkers, whatever in their lives with mental health challenges. They, they, you know, they're listening and they know of people that they're connected to intimately that have mental health, health challenges. Um, what advice can you give them to kind of help them better interact with those people who may be struggling with those challenges? Yeah, I, I think first um, is normalize. Well, first I would say is normalizing the, the, that phrase mental health challenge. Okay. One, part of you interacting with someone who has a mental health challenge is normalizing that phrase mental health challenge. Um, yeah, 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 that's good. It's, it has been such a stigma and there's all this sauce on that, that, that phrase. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to be able to interact with empathy and care when that, that phrase becomes normal. You're also going to be able to pray with empathy. Um, and so that's one. Um, two, I would say normalize therapy being for all human beings. I, um, I'm a very big proponent of therapy now, if you can't tell. Um, <laughs> I believe every human being on this planet can uh, benefit from therapy. It's good. Um, and I don't think you have to have a, a challenge to go there. <laughs> I think if you're walking around on this planet, and let me flip it. I think if you're walking around on planet Earth, mm -hmm. you have a, some kind of challenge. I would, I would agree with that. <laughs> I think, I, I think, especially 2020. Are yeah. you walking around in 2020 and you don't have a mental health challenge, sir? <laughs> I just how? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Just, how? <laughs> and so then it becomes normal. And that can be part of our spiritual life. And it's part of the biblical testimony that we have too. The Psalms lays before us this whole range of emotions ranging from depression to anxiety, to sheer anger and rage. And, and so to your question, how do we interact with someone dealing with these things? I, I think we um, normalized it. We asked, um, the third thing that I would say is we begin to ask questions of inquiry. Um, and we ask, what are you experiencing right now? Some of the best friends and loved ones I have in my life, they, um, they don't shy away from me when I am having a difficult moment uh -huh. um, or I'm experiencing anxiety. They, they actually, drill down they center down with me they say what are you experiencing and two how can i help you um those two questions mean the world to me yeah. and when i don't answer because for me i'm prone to shut down when i'm experiencing difficult times um and i'll actually shut out the world um mm -hmm. when i'm feeling anxious or depressed my friends actually come after me so they just start sending me stuff um, like I have a friend, uh, <laughs> they'll just start sending me Amazon gifts, um, which hurts me because when I'm depressed, mm -hmm. I um, become very antisocial and I'll shut down. So I'll just start seeing gifts in the mail. And um, 
which means a lot to me because they're trying to break through to reach right, me. Right, right. And it angers me, but I know they're like, hey, I couldn't reach you, so here you go. Um, I'll start seeing food show up. They don't even know if I'm there. <laughs> so they'll, and it's their way to try to um, reach me in ways that I'm vulnerable in, so. Man, that's great. My, uh, um, that, that, that's, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of pragmatism, practicality. Yes. And so th those things you just mentioned in terms of, you know, normalizing the term mental health challenges, um, um, you know, normalizing, asking questions and not shying away, uh, normalizing, doing little things to, to just let people know that, that, that they're thinking of you and, 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 and you're, you're on their heart and their mind. Um, man, yeah, th th those are easy steps, y'all, that we can take to to help touch the people in our lives who may be dealing with these challenges. Um, and so I love the fact that, that, that that's the case. I love the fact that those are three very, very doable steps, three very doable things that you just laid out there. Kind of kind of on the, in that same vein, um, we've talked about the people who may be interacting with those who are struggling with mental health challenges. Let's talk for a second specifically to the people listening right now who, um, who are struggling themselves with these challenges. Um, I know, I know it's a, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this. I don't think anybody is ever 100% solved or 100% quote unquote cured for lack of a better word of mental health challenges. I think as long as we're alive, we're going to be dealing with some level of mental health issue, whether or not we choose to acknowledge it, that's a whole different story, but we're going to all be dealing with them. So that being said, for those um, who are listening right now, who are trying to, um, you know, kind of find their footing and start to overcome or, 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 or better yet, just live with their mental health challenges. Um, as you've kind of been finding your way on your journey to becoming mentally healthy as much as best as possible, um, what can you share with those people who are listening who are also trying to just find the space to operate effectively and productively in life while still having to, to juggle these challenges that they face mentally? Yeah, I, I think that was very well said. I one i would say uh that you know one they're struggling with our mental health there is such a spectrum right mm -hmm. that um it's hard to speak to it all because we can struggle with everything from rejection which that that can be classified in this arena right like how we deal with rejection those who are prone to feelings of rejection those who feel loneliness in the core of their being um those who who are severely depressed those who are bipolar right and everything in between yeah. right so so it's hard so some someone might say i am low on that spectrum but i still struggle too yeah, um it right. hurts me it afflicts me um and to everyone on that spectrum, I, my heart goes out because um, we're all trying to make it. And the biggest thing that helps me is, you know, that thing that besets all of us is, is in the heart or in the mind, I, I would say is like, um, it's a simple phrase uh, that I say to myself, uh, and it sounds silly, but I say, I'll say to myself regularly, I'm trying my best. Hmm. And uh, in the times where I am struggling, at, I'm at the climax of struggling, mm -hmm. I will say it to myself in the mirror. Um, usually some tears <clears throat> come after that <laughs> um, <laughs> because uh, that's not what I feel like. But I know I I know I'm trying, and yeah. maybe to the outside world, they would not classify it as that, you know. And maybe externally, people would say, "Oh, Robert seems fine." No, it's a battle going on yeah. on the inside. But I am trying my best. Like right. me getting out of bed today was a battle, right? And I'm trying my best. 
and with that, something else I would say is um, assembling grounding um, rituals that work for you. Mm. I have a few rituals that I've amassed over the years that are my go-to things that they, they don't fix me, mm-hmm. but they are tools in the tool belt that I um, cling to that help me feel like a human being. And so uh, some of those for me, just to be transparent, are I have to be, I have to get outside and uh and i'm a runner and it takes everything to run when i'm feeling anxious (laughs) i don't feel like running when i feel anxious or depressed but if i can put on my shoes and even if i can just get out of the door that's a win and um that's a grounding technique for me and uh like you might see me crying uh running down the street (laughs) and uh that's probably not uh (laughs) um comforting for everyone to see a six foot one black man uh crying down the street (laughs) but i know it's like i'm doing this like i this is something for me i'm in the sunlight and i feel very present in in my body when i do that Um, yeah yeah and so I have rituals like that, that there are things that ground me to reality. And so those are two things that I would say is like having a mantra that works for you and having um, grounding techniques that are true to who you are, that make you feel present. Awesome, awesome. And I, once again, very, very practical steps, practical advice, um, things that literally anybody can use yeah. to, uh, to help. Um, just kind of navigate these uh, the, the the challenges that that, that come with, with with having mental health struggles issues etc. Um, so man, look, I just you know man, thank you. This has been um, a, a blessing. Uh, this conversation has been rich. It's been very very beneficial. Um, I know it has to me has been to me, and I hope it's been to the listening audience. Um, I don't want to rush you off um, without, you know, if, if you said a whole lot already. And so if there's anything else, man, that you maybe want to leave with the audience, um, feel free to now. If you if you feel like you've said all that you have to say, we can leave it at that. I mean, because it's been good, man. You've given some great, great, great stuff that we can chew on. So I'll just kind of open the floor one more time for you. If there are any parting comments you want to leave with the audience. Yeah, no, I, I truly appreciate you. Thank you so much uh, for your time and opening up your platform. I uh, I, I would say, um, you know, we were talking a moment ago about supporting those with, with challenges and um, practical ways to support people. I would say just one more thing to that, yeah. whether um, I think in general, supporting our friends and our loved ones, whether they have mental challenges or not, something that I do with my loved ones in general is when they are struggling in any way, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, physically, uh, I go up the hierarchy of needs. And you can mm-hmm. Google, um, you can Google the hierarchy of needs. It's actually a psychological term. Um, and so I, that is the way that I support my loved ones. And so if, you know, if someone's struggling, like, you know, let's say I knew Anthony was struggling, rather than me saying, saying, hey, let me know if I can do anything that, to help you, you know, let's say <laughs> you're in a car accident. I'm not gonna say anything silly, like, let me know if you need help. Right, right. Of course you need help, you're in a car accident. That, that's a given. Yeah. That's a crazy question. <laughs> what I what, <laughs> what I am going to say is, hey, brother, I'm going to help you. If you have any ideas, you can let me know, but I'm going to start helping. Yeah. And that's what I say to my loved ones. And so I start going up the needs. So do they need physical things? Mm-hmm. Hey, you were in a car accident. You probably need some money. You're not rich, mm-hmm. um, to my knowledge. So I start sending Venmo or Cash App to the, I just start sending it to my friends. Yeah. Um, I don't wait for them to let me know. Right. <laughs> like, right. I already know there's there are needs and I'm proactive about those things. Yeah. So if I know Anthony's depressed, I'm not gonna wait. 
hey, let me know how depressed you are. No, I'm just going to try to minister to his felt needs. And so I think if we loved one another in that way, community, especially in the arena of mental health, would be um, a lot more supportive, especially in the, the midst of the church. So yeah, just wanted to put that out there. Great point again, man. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it right there. I, I think because that was that was profound in and of itself. Uh, once again, there is um, I, I I just believe that there is strength in simplicity, and uh, and and just with the things that you've laid out, you've made that even more evident, man. So, Robert, thank you, thank you, thank you for an, an awesome segment, man. Thank you for everything you share for opening up to us, and. Um, Look, y'all, if you want to follow him um, and, and get just some more of his his his, his gems and, and just the refreshing um, transparency and honesty with which he uh, he just addresses, not just this topic, but so many others, um, you can follow him on Twitter. His, uh, his handle is simply just at Robert J. Monson, M-O-N-S-O-N. Um, you can follow him there, and uh, I'm sure you'll be blessed as a result. Robert, thanks again, man. Look forward to chopping it up with you sometime soon. Thank you, brother. That's the episode, y'all. If you've gotten anything from it, and as always, I hope and pray you have, please take a second to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends and family, and please leave a rating and a review. Man, look, I hope this series has been a blessing to you. We've talked some tough issues. We've hit on some things um, that have plagued so many for so long. And and I hope that we've shown you um, in these series of interviews and episodes that if you've ever been conflicted with your race and your faith, um, if you've had trouble getting over your church hurt, or if you've somehow felt faithless because your feelings are just all over the map, I hope you now know that you're not alone. Special thanks to uh, Langston Lee, Katrina Brown, Marcus Jones, uh, Charlie, Kyle Howard, Bridget Rivera, Judge Tim Fall, Larissa Lee, and Robert Monson. You individuals are absolutely special. Thank you for making this month's series um, what I hope was an absolute balm to so many souls. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for uh, your your in-depthness. And uh, just thank you for bearing your soul um, in an effort to be a blessing to as many as possible. Look, y'all, I'll be back in a couple weeks with the final podcast episode of 2020. So until then, thanks so much for rocking with me. I'm looking forward to the next time and I hope you are too. I'm out.